Hi, and welcome back to Recovery His Way on the campus of the His Way Recovery Center here in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm Stuart Whiting, sitting down again with our director, Tom. Good afternoon, Tom. Good to be with you. Yeah, so last time we uh, started a discussion on ethics, mm -hmm. and uh, I was wondering, you brought that to the table as a topic. Why is uh, why has this been on your mind as something you wanted to share about? Well, uh, as I mentioned the last time we met, you know, one of the things that um, I've been looking at is is how to create a program, one that reflects good ethics in terms of how we interact with our community. But more significantly, we say that we're a Christ Center program. So what does that really mean? Sometimes you put pictures of Jesus around, scripture verses around. Um, how does it become Christ-centered? And I think that kind of goes to our ethic, this idea of how do we, I mean, really ethics about the guidelines about how we interact, right? And so, um, you know, you have morals that are kind of one's own interpersonal interactions, what their values are that determine those interactions. And then our ethics is kind of more about how we have mm -hmm. share those rules and, and express those rules with each other. So I was thinking a lot about that idea in terms of, um, you know, I, I get a lot of feedback from people at His Way who talk about, wow, I really feel Jesus here, God's really a part of this and that kind of thing. But what is it that's happening here? What is it that's going on? What are some of the core things? And so I really wanted to kind of explore that more and become more intentional about being aware of it. Maybe God's blessed us in becoming something, but how do we become aware of that? How do we help others do the same? Whatever that looks like, how do we improve what we're doing? Become more intentional. And so last week, as an introduction, you walked us through something that you had outlined for teaching in a seminar uh, with Akram and probably other parts of the mm -hmm. ways that you've taught of that, you know, most humans begin with this general rule of ethics, which is I will do unto others as they have done unto me, right. this reactive. Right. And and certainly um, Jesus and, and many religions call us to the golden rule, which everyone's familiar with, that we are going to do unto others as we would want them to do unto right. us. Um, but really, you're driving us to, well, there's a deeper uh, message and a story that comes out um, through Jesus's life mm -hmm. uh, that we, uh, the gospel rule, I think you call it, right. where we are to do unto others as Jesus, as God right. has done right. for us. Right, right. exactly. And, and then we want to continue to explore that over the next few weeks. Uh, so where where are we yeah. going with so, the gospel rule? Yeah, this idea of a gospel ethic, gospel rule, or a Christ-centered ethic, um, when I really reflected on that, I thought about, well, what is a... It's bigger than just what did Jesus say or teach, or even just what he did, but it's more about who he is. You know, Jesus is the ethic, as I mentioned last week. The idea that really learning ethics is about how God interacts with man, and the fundamental way he interacts ultimately is in Jesus. I mean, even the Hebrew writer said, you know, God spoke long ago through the prophets in many ways. However, in these last days, he's spoken to us ultimately through his son. Mm. And so Jesus is the fundamental expression of God's ethic. How am I going to interact with man? I under, God understands everything about himself, obviously. He understands everything about man in both in his createdness and his fallenness. And so God's um, intention is how do I interact with man? And his answer is Jesus. Jesus becomes the answer to that. So Jesus then becomes kind of in the embodiment of this ethic. And when you look at the life of Jesus, um, it's typically when we talk about the gospel, we kind of break it up into three separate things. And the verse I like to refer to, I know typically we say the death, burial, and resurrection, um, but I like, I guess, coming out of scripture here, what 
Peter addresses when he initially speaks for the very first time um, to this group of hostile Jews that had just executed Jesus about 50 days before that on the day of Pentecost. He addresses who this Jesus is and um, kind of summarize the gospel. I just wanted to kind of read these three verses real quickly. It says um, in verse 22 of Acts 2, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Next verse says this, Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men referring to the crucifixion. And then the last verse says, God raised him um, up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So resurrection. So um, as I thought about that, it seemed like the three things that kind of stood out was one that in the sense, first part, that Jesus was from God. Two, that he was crucified by man. And that three, he was raised again. And so I kind of summarized the three kind of core ethics, you know, three principles then as one kind of the Christmas ethic in the sense of the incarnation. Right. You know, God chose to act and this was, this, it was motivated by some things. Jesus embodied certain things when God acted by sending, coming in the form of Jesus to us. Secondly um, was the crucifixion, um, that there's this kind of cruciform or cross ethic that exists in terms mm-hmm. of sacrifice and, and those kinds yeah, of things. Something that, that crucifixion ethic is something that's very surprising even in light of the Christmas ethic, you know, in our in what we would expect to have happened. Right. Oh, God's coming to man. You right. expect something of right. that. Right, right, and, right. and we celebrate that in Christmas and we understand it's humble, but it's still there's that's the, the hallelujah chorus and the celebration and the angels rejoicing right. and wise men coming to seek him and oh, God's presence. Right. Then you get to the end of the story, and it's something very surprising, so much so that many who were on board with the Christmas ethic and God right. is among us right. and God is here is like, how can this be right. the end of the story? Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine, if you imagine the picture of the superhero coming to rescue you, and then he We gets, love that story. Right. And then all of a sudden, he gets caught up in the problem and ends up getting killed himself. And then like, we're left oops. to look at each other and go... What happened here, right? And you're, and you're reminded of the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who had clearly been following Jesus, knew the Passover moment was right. going to be the moment, and right. then we had hoped this was going to be the one. Right, so, right. A, a new so, story emerges. Right. But then, of course, the, the great news is there's a celebration ethic. There's mm-hmm. a resurrection three mm-hmm. days later. And I think that, to me, as I looked at what Jesus did, who he was, it was about that. It's about the incarnation, about the Christmas ethic, about the cross, and then ultimately about the celebration, the victory, the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So as I thought about how Christian ethics works, how do we interact, how does God interact with us, and how we interact with each other, I felt like that those three fundamental things need to kind of be core okay. to how that ethic operates. And so that's kind of what I wanted to kind of think about. Then. So we spent a few weeks mm-hmm. investigating kind of through that tract of, mm-hmm. and so I guess today thinking a little bit specifically that's, about what is the Christmas ethic? Right, right. How does that appropriately? We're about a couple weeks after Christmas here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the Christmas ethic. Um, so that's dealing with the incarnation for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? That's the fundamental message yeah. of Christmas. Um, and so one of the fundamental ethics then to me seems to be love. Love is the thing that motivates this whole thing. So I think it's the right place to start. I mean, everything really emanates from that fundamental principle of love. And um, I think one of the things that's a struggle in our society is, is, you know, it's an overused, misunderstood word, right? Love. 
Um, you know, we can love ice cream, we can love our dog, we can love our grandmother, we can um, have sexual relationships and call it making love. We have all these weird views of love. Um, but I think from a, you know, from a biblical point of view, this agape picture that really is the embedded picture of what Jesus came to do um, is a love that is fundamentally committed to the benefit of the beloved. You know, I am here to do whatever the, ultimately the beloved needs. And so love is really about service. It's about mm-hmm. sacrifice. It's as all those things, obviously, elements in it. But it's fundamentally other-oriented. It's totally fixed on other. And so I think that's where the gospel starts. That's where Jesus' life certainly centers. Yeah. And that's where our ethic has to start. How am I going to interact with you? Fundamentally, I do it because I, of my concern for your best interest. Yeah. And a decision I've made and a commitment I've made. You know, the entire story of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is one of um, being very clear that humanity is undeserving of of a relationship with God that right. we have we've chosen to go on our to go our own way right. and it, it's led to catastrophe and disaster and 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 we build human systems that hurt and enslave one another and yet all along God is committed to a relationship with humans and committed to bringing them back and it's I think maybe the central word that you can take from you know the prophets in the in the uh, the, the relationship that he desires to have with Israel is my beloved my my the one that I love the one that I want to have this pure marriage and and um, and so coming in the form of man to make that happen to 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 to, to really show humanity what you know what humans can be as as an ideal human and that I am the one that is bringing that that is the story of the bible mm-hmm. is that god is is doing everything for for our on our behalf even right. though we have turned our back on him right 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 and that that, that is fundamental then to how we how god interacts with us love our best interest and how we interact with each other ultimately should be that way i should be motivated to, to love you and so i interact with you for your benefit you interact with me for my benefit. That right. becomes, I mean, if you think about it, even within the marriage context, right? I mean, what if a wife was, her sole thought was, how can I bless my husband all the time? Mm-hmm. And the husband's thought was totally, how can I bless my wife all the time? That's, instead of thinking, what am I getting out of this? I mean, as right. soon as that happens, we start watching love deteriorate. We start lo- watching yeah. love disappear. We start and, keeping score. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Keeping percentages. And, right. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that happens a lot in at his way is when guys come into our program from jail or from the streets, wherever they come from, one of the first things they are is defensive because they're like, I've never interacted with a group of people that's ultimately out for themselves. Mm. And so um, I'm always looking for what's their angle? What's their angle here? What are, what are they trying to, okay, they're doing that. They're being nice to me right now, but what's, what's the end game here? What are they trying to accomplish? And it's hard for them to grasp. I think when they start experiencing gospel mm. is when they start realizing, they have nothing in this except their concern for me. Yeah. That that's their motivation. Yeah. They're raising money. They're giving their time. They're sacrificing all these things. They're providing wonderful things for me. They're doing classes. They're teaching. They're counseling. They're doing all these things. They're helping me get a job. All because they're fundamentally concerned for me. And in the gospel, I think, because God has fundamentally been concerned yeah. about me. Yeah. You know, because he's been concerned about me, now I'm concerned about you. And that's the motivation. Um, but that's hard for them to grasp. And a lot of them, you know, especially they're always looking for the angle. It's like, oh, how much money you get out of this? How much of this? And they're always kind of, but when they really let that guard down, 
Yeah. That's, I think, when the gospel begins to have its way, it starts beginning to make its way into their hearts, is when they recognize that there is no ulterior motive, there is no agenda. Um, it's simply about love. It's simply about yeah. being concerned, compassionately concerned for another's well-being, period. Yeah, and we know, you know, we, we don't always have pure motives in, in everything sure. we do. And, and so the ones that are really looking for a reason not to, you know, to, to keep their guard up, they're going to find, oh, yeah, we well, aren't perfect here. And it's like, right. yeah, we're, we're right. not. But, you know, hopefully there's... You see, there's some joy in this from from our side and what we're trying to do, and that we're we're not trying to control and and just trying to express. Uh, I think last week you described it as um, creating, you know, a place where uh, a basket that they can be in and be safe, and we help provide that environment. But then the love of Christ, the love of God, His transformative power can begin to work in a safe place. And yet, if they've never experienced. That true kind of, we have a lot of ways of defining safe space today, which is maybe not what exactly what we're talking about here, but when they're really a place where people just care about them because they are a, a child of God and they're, they're, they're creating the image of God and that's good enough and that's all it never needs to be right. uh, for us to, to want to, um, to be there for them. Yeah, that's new. I, you know, I, that's one thing that I didn't fully appreciate until I started you know, being part of this ministry six or seven years ago that you know, a lot of the guys clearly have been in life situations where, you know, they are used to being used and to use people. And that's, that's the way of the world, the way of the streets. Right. That's the general rule ethic. Right. And that's right. it. That's, that's, yeah, that's why our society works. You don't have to be in the streets of addiction no, to experience don't. that. You know, um, you know and it's uh, interesting, I was teaching even this morning, um, Jesus teaching at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, which is, you know, he says, um, choose the narrow gate. However, there is a there's a narrow gate that leads to life, and there's a broad way that leads to destruction. Um, and there's false prophets that are actively involved in selling that broad street. And we talked about, you know, how do they sell it? And mm. it's like, and what's it about? Well, typically, it's about that, you know, the effort to try to get you to do something for their benefit, right? That's ultimately whether it's I'm going to make money out of this, I'm going to get control or power, I'm going to do something, I'm going to gain something from this. And so the gospel ethic is that narrow road that's completely the opposite um, that isn't focused on that but is focused on their well-being. And I think one of the things that even Christians need to be guarded against is, and I've been in the church 40 years now, um, it's easy to get involved with people for your benefit. Use the gospel for your benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's where we the gospel loses being the gospel because um, it becomes about how big my church can be or how much money we can raise or how many people we're going to convert so that we are being successful. How many churches can we create? And we end up with these selfish agendas using the message of Christ to forward our own agendas, and that's that. Fundamentally, the world has reacted negatively to that, yeah. rightly, rightly so, so, because that's not the good news. That's bad news. That's yeah. the same news that we're getting on the on the TV e news. Even every the day. pagans do that. Right, would be right, the kind right, of right. postscript. Yeah, and when those things break, because you know, when things are done on a pure motive or better, you know, good motives versus maybe selfish motive, it's not always clear. You know, across the fence, looking from the outside. Right, right. But when it breaks, what the, the, the damage that that brings to right. the name of Christ and to that ministry mm -hmm. is uh, is obviously it, it's 
it's it's it's crushing. Mm-hmm. It's the very thing that it's the very reason that so much language in the New Testament is about guarding your heart against those things and and about you know about responding to the love of Christ and the love of God in in a way that reflects that and right. not for our own selfish ambition. Otherwise, we're right back in the garden, you know eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, saying, you know, this is going to be good for me to go this way. I, I, I no longer need to be connected to Creator God. I'm going to go build something for myself, and it's doomed to fail. And it's just a question of what you're taking down with him. And unfortunately, we've all experienced that and seen that in uh, under the name of Christ. And so, um, yeah, being on guard against that, and and for any ministry that's listening to, to you know, to, to be thoughtful among right. among your team and saying, you know, why are we doing these and, things? And I think, you know, it's easy. It goes back to the, the you know, we hear about, enabling that kind of thing um, people being codependent and and codependency is about the same thing it's when I get involved with you for my benefit you know if it's saving my grandson from some bad situation because I can't sleep with I can't sleep if I know that he's in that situation well then it's about my sleep right yeah. it's ultimately about me and I can't feel comfortable with him being in a bad environment because it makes me feel bad. I want to rescue people because it makes me feel good about me. Mm. Um, that's not love. It's not, I'm not saying it's those just, things yeah. aren't nice and they're pleasant. It's motivating, but right. that's <laughs> But it's not gospel. Yeah. Again, the gospel is always this self-sacrificing love, this uh, you know love committed to the benefit of others, mm. which leads to the second point, which is giving, right? I mean, for God so loved that he gave. So one of the fundamental mm-hmm. attributes, I think, of this Christmas ethic is it's a giving ethic. Of course, we're familiar with Christmas, right? Giving. There's always, it's always fundamental to Christmas is this idea of giving. I mean, It's more course, blessed to give than receive, which I it takes a while to learn that, right? That was not your experience when you were right. seven years old. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even know what I got my dad for Christmas. Right. Is my mom probably, or I think one time we got him a back scratcher. Like, because my dad, you know, I always saw my dad struggling. He scratches, <laughs> but you know, you get him the cheapest, whatever, right. Right. chapstick or whatever, right. Right. because we just care about the, get, right. the, the receiving. Right. But yeah, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I love to with, interact with kids and particularly my grandkids. I like to ask them the question that they don't expect to hear. So like on Christmas, I'll kind of say, you know, come over and say, oh, wow, how's Christmas? That was great. And they want to go run and show me all the things I got. And I said, so hold it, hold it. What did you give to your mommy? <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I want to know. <laughs> what did you give to your sister? What did you, you know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, you know. Um, but I, but I, usually that if I push them, they'll go and they'll you watch them start getting excited about the fact yeah. that they did do that when they, you start reprogramming their thought process. I think fundamentally it is more blessed to give than receive. God said that. Yeah, yeah. And I think you and I have probably lived long enough. We can see it clearly. Yeah. You know, it's how much more of a blessing has been to be a parent and to give to your children and watch them grow and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, so giving is fundamental to this. Jesus, right? I mean, the scriptures tell us Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So fundamentally, another part of this Christmas ethic is about giving. It's all about how am I involved in a loving way to extend my resources, my time, my financial resources, my availability to the benefit of somebody else. And so giving again becomes a core element of this. Um, and so I, mean, I think that's that's a key part of it. And then really the third one that I was thinking about is, you know, from Philippians 2, where Paul writes there about how Jesus humbled himself mm-hmm. and did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but gave himself, humbled himself, sacrificed himself ultimately to a cross. Um, I mean, think about the humility of going from eternity and heaven just to becoming a human being right. um, in a born in a stable 
um, is a is a humiliating <laughs> um, situation. Then to go from that to have those very people then you know surrender yourself to their power yeah. when you're the ultimate power and allow them to execute you and in the most gruesome of ways um, is the, the most humbling of humbling humbling things right yeah it's a story that just it makes it has no it has no equal has no contact i mean it's 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 so hard to to grasp and right. maybe that's what attracts so many people when right. they really understand what it what right. it's all about and so, and so part of this Christmas ethic then is just about humility, that everything's done, again, with, with ultimately God and others as the focal point, not ourselves. Um, you know, and even in that passage in Philippians, you know, he starts with, you know, you know, you know, don't consider yourself. I mean, that's where he begins and use Jesus as the example of that. Yeah, he's clearly dealing with some things there where people's pride and ego is getting in the way and he's like hey you know if we if we could be humble right as christ was humble you, you probably would be getting along a lot better right and, and that becomes fundamental to gospel i mean again when a guy walks on this property and he sees people concerned for their benefit with no strings when he sees that it seems to be about giving 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 and i mean it's such a rewarding thing to see when, yeah. you know, a guy comes in off the streets or out of jail with nothing and immediately guys are running to the room saying, hey, you need a shirt, you need a pair of pants, you need this, you need that, here I got toothpaste or whatever. Um, you know, that kind of giving is involved. And then the kind of humility that, you know, again, says this isn't about me. This is, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm a non-factor mm-hmm. in this um, is, is an incredibly powerful Thing. And I know humility is a hard thing for us to grasp. And, you know, we all will agree in our society, I think, that we applaud humility. While we look at humble people, we think, wow, they're humble. That's great. We, you know, and I always think in my mind, Forrest Gump, the story of Forrest Gump is such a story mm-hmm. about a person who's just ultimately self-effacing. I mean, he yeah. had no sense of self. He Unaware was totally of what's out. happening, yeah. And he was just had this humility about him that ends up, of course, in this mythical story, putting him in all the center of all these big social <laughs> change and all this kind of stuff that happens because he was just so willing to just be molded and available for those kind of situations. But, um, and so we applaud that. And at the same time, if you watch the American story, it's always about humble beginnings mm-hmm. that don't end up with humble endings. You know, yeah, you know, we'll say... Rags to riches. Yeah, right, right. That's that's the American dream, right? Which moves us the opposite direction than where the gospel came. Yeah. Went from riches to rags, mm-hmm. right? That's where the gospel went. And so this Christmas story is about riches to rags, not rags to riches. Mm-hmm. And so humility is about that same mindset, same heart. It doesn't mean that you have to get, become impoverished necessarily. It means that... Um, I value things, I value myself and value my things differently than I valued them in the past. They become of service to God instead of of service to me. Yeah, and it's those kinds of um, lives lived here that, again, among many of our staff who, you know, have gone through recovery, it's really interesting to me to see um, people in recovery, our guys in recovery, and how, boy, they they really embody this ethic. <laughs> they are giving, they're humble, and in a way that, you know, I it's hard to see outside of this 
community, actually, to the degree I'm thinking mm-hmm. that just giving up their time and, their, and what, you know, they didn't, maybe don't have a lot of resources, but they are very quick to mm-hmm. give and help. And, and I guess maybe because they know the desperation that, that, that they're, they're giving into right. at a level that maybe if you're not part of the community, you don't appreciate as well. But, you know, I'm thinking of times when um, maybe, you know, a need, uh, kind of a, a need that's not in our wheelhouse it's maybe a friend of a family or or someone who's in need of something and we need to raise some money and it comes before the guys and you know guys just want to give and at times you want to say you know you don't really have this money to give but they want to be giving right. because they they know the power of coming alongside in community and um it's a real blessing to see that and a reminder that in our, you know, in our stability and in our, in our, you know, affluence, how are we living this out and how are we giving and how are we using our time right. and our resources? I mean, ultimately it's a stewardship idea, right? That I recognize that my time, my money, all my resources are ultimately God's that he's loaned to me. And the question that God's going to ask is how did you use what I loaned you? Um, you know, it's a parable of the talents, yeah. right? And so that's kind of the question that needs to motivate my ethic is in that humility. How do, how do my things become God's things? Mm-hmm. And how do I use them? And if God chooses to use me to redistribute those things in a different way, that's kind of my ministry. That's my calling, whether it's my time or my resources, my finances or whatever. So, I mean, I think that fundamentally is where this Christmas ethic takes me. You know, it starts with this idea of love. It, it gives, and ultimately it sacrifices, it's humble, it, it gives in this self-effacing, self, um, you know, non-self-centered way. One of the things that I know um, I struggled with for a long time is I always kind of saw humility as kind of a, um, I, I always felt prideful, and so humility was about putting down my pride. About squashing my pride. So if somebody said, "Wow, you're really intelligent," not really. I'm yeah. really stupid. Yeah. Um, well, you're well, really you were, generous. You were a preacher for a long time. Right. Hey, that was a great sermon. Yeah. yeah. That's got to always right. and be. Then, and then you kind of like, no, no, no. Well, no, 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 it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't it was, a good sermon. Yeah. No. And it's like, and I remember a friend of mine, actually a preacher friend, that had mentored me one day. We were playing tennis, and uh, um, he kept telling me, "Good shot, good shot," about different things. I said, "Oh, no, not really." Not really. And finally, he stopped me. He said, "Come to the net here a second. I said, "Yeah." He said, I keep complimenting you and you don't receive my compliment. Yeah. Why are you so prideful? Yeah. I'm right. not prideful. I'm being humble. Right. And I realized, no, that's not yeah. humility because it's still, but, I mean, you can be, I mean, pride is really about being self-centered in a positive direction. Um, self, you know, kind of what I was doing was thinking that humility was about being self-centered in a negative direction. Yeah. It's a false humility. Right. Yeah, for right. sure. That the real key to humility is that I don't think about myself at all. Yeah. That I'm not a factor. Um, so it's funny you bring that kind of example up. I, I do a, a module in the communication class about kind of these typical ways that we communicate that maybe we, we're not really thinking about what we're doing. And that's one of them is when you receive a compliment. And so, you know, what, what do we typically do? We kind of typically, it's all, it's key for us to, I don't know, it's, it's typical for us to kind of, you know, say, oh, no, no, no. Right. And, you know, how, and I always think, what is that, what's that doing to the other person? Right. 
and, and to put yourself in their shoes. And that's what the nature of this module is, thinking about the other person. I said, so what might be a better way to respond? And pretty much everyone gets it. Just thank you. You know, right. say thank you. Hey, right. I appreciate that. <laughs> or what I, you know, I like singing a lot and people will say, oh, I really thought, and I say, yeah, I really enjoy doing it. You know, that's, and it's true. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to address anything else on that. And uh, because it is, I mean, it's always the call. We always, you know, I think we, we have doubts about ourselves and our performance and, you know, our value and, and it's easy to, to look for ways of propping that up and mm-hmm. where pride steps in and, and, and are having to secure something and people to know. And, and it's always good. It's always going to be a struggle to, to remain that true humility, which only seeks to glorify uh, God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth stopping and thinking about and how are we, how are we, you know, falling short in those areas um, so that we can, and I, I think often a lot more about, do I remember the third person in the room, you know, uh, the, 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 the God and Christ are in the equation, mm-hmm. or is it just about me and this person and this interaction? Right. And that, that helps remind a lot of, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, how, how is this glorifying God? Right. And, and even that, you know, that's been abused, like you said, and been used, and um, to a point where you almost feel like maybe I, I you know, that somehow I'm being false in saying that. Mm-hmm. But if you come with a, a pure motive of, of wanting to glorify God, then then it'll probably work out because that's the way He works. Right. People with broken and contrite hearts, right? And that's right. who He's looking for. Right. Exactly. So, and that's. What's the heart of the gospel, right? Yeah. Is this broken contriteness? So, yeah. So the first thing I just wanted to emphasize with this gospel yeah. ethic, this Christian ethic, is really a Christmas ethic, born out of love, giving, and humble. And I think that's really a fundamental way that a Christ-centered ethic begins yeah. to be expressed. Yeah. You can look more at the others. And it. any ministry that's that that's a hallmark of, well, that's a really good starting point. Right. If you if you're embodying loving and giving and being humble along the way, you're going to attract people. You're going to be able to serve people because uh, because that's that's the Christ, the it's Christian ethic. It's Christ ethic, and and he says if you if you lift me up, right. people will be drawn to that. That's and right. um, and so it is good news. I, you know, for those listening who don't know Tom well, he is the master of alliteration in for going back from years and years mm-hmm. of. Of preaching and so in putting together, you know, Christmas and crucifixion and celebration. I'm looking forward to investigating more as we walk through the different uh, the, the the different details of the gospel ethic. And I think you've got us really thinking about some really important stuff. And I again appreciate that you um, infuse that into all levels of this ministry. And when we have staff meetings and when you speak to the community and you speak to our board, that this is this is always on your heart. And that's really important as um, as our spiritual leader to remind us. Uh, we, we need that in our lives. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank All right. You. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sitting down and thanks you guys for joining us again on another episode. If you have any questions or like any more information about the His Way ministry, you can go to our website at hiswayinc.org.